Welcome to the first ever episode of the Teacher's Lounge podcast. I'm Carly Flandro, a reporter at Idaho Education News and a former English teacher. My goal with this podcast is to create a place where teachers can find community and feel seen and heard. I plan to have a different teacher on for each episode and tackle topics that teachers want to hear about. For this first episode, I brought on Heidi Luker, an English teacher and the English department chair at Pocatello Century High School. Century is where I worked the past eight years, so you'll hear me include myself when I'm talking about teachers, we this, we that. I guess I haven't quite gotten used to the fact that I've switched careers and I'm a journalist now. I brought Heidi on because she's truly a phenomenal teacher and human being. She's too humble to tell you this, but she was a finalist for Pocatello's Simplot Teacher of the Year Award this year. A number of students nominated her and had the sweetest things to say about her. One wrote that being around Heidi was like a warm hug, and I couldn't agree more. She is one of the kindest people I've ever met. She's so wise, and I'm so thrilled that I got to bring her on the show to expose listeners to some of that wisdom, too. This episode, we're talking about how to achieve a work-life balance, which we all know is very hard to do as a teacher, but it's essential. In this episode, we talk about embracing imperfection, so it makes sense that this episode is very imperfect. It was my first go at making a podcast, so the audio is not perfect, but I'll get better at it, so thanks for the grace. In the background, you'll hear some intermittent whining. That's my very adorable, very wild, four-month-old Border Collie puppy named Cash. He had a run-in the morning that I filmed the podcast with some barbed wire, and he had to go to the vet and get stitches. He had to be put under to get the stitches, so we went ahead and got him neutered as well. So he's in the background whining. I apologize for that, but I assure you he's totally fine. He's currently laying next to me right now, sleeping contently, dreaming about chasing frisbees or bunnies or who knows what. So thanks for taking a chance and listening with this first episode. I hope you enjoy. All right. So I wanted to talk about something this week that I thought would be near and dear to a lot of teachers, which is how to achieve a work-life balance. So first, tell us from your perspective why it can be hard as a teacher to have work-life balance. Well, like I mentioned, a job can be all-encompassing. There's so many things that you can worry about as a teacher. There, you know, you want to have these really creative and engaging lesson plans, and that takes time for mine to research, to find good resources, new ideas, new ways to teach things. And for me, that's my favorite part, so I probably spend a little too much time on that. <laughs> but, um, and if you're reinventing your curriculum frequently, that can, you know, that's a lot of time. And then you have the time you're spending in the classroom. It's not, you're really engaging with the kids. And so it's not like you have all these hours in the day to just sit and correct the assignments that you've given them. And then there's the papers that come in after. And, you know, the English discipline, but I really think it's any discipline. You, if you're really trying to get valuable feedback, if you're really trying to assess where they are, that's a time-consuming process too. And I don't know what it is about the job, but you know, even when I'm trying to relax, if I'm watching a show or a news feed comes on, I'll be like, oh, that would work really well. 
like I'm always it's always sort of there in the back of my head mm-hmm. making a connection for a lesson or thinking kids you know and so I think that's the challenge is that they're people and I really care about giving them something that's going to mean something to their lives mm-hmm. I'm not trying to just think of something to keep them busy I really want to have them be valuable mm-hmm. and care about them so they're on my mind and that's I think that's the thing that makes it hard to walk away mm-hmm. yeah so kind of that perfectionism and just caring about teacher or your students and wanting to have the very best lesson all the time so that's one way that having a work-life balance can be hard what are some of the other reasons well the you know my nemesis is correcting because i find it time consuming and and honestly boring a lot of the time (laughs) (laughs) so for a long time before I did everything on Google Classroom, I'd have this big bag with wheels, and I'd load my papers up, and we'd take them for a ride home, and they'd sit in the corner, and they were just like, I never opened them up, I just took them for a ride. Because I came home, and I was tired, and I didn't want to spend hours reading it, and then it was just like this guilt in the corner, though, you know, like I'd look over and see it, and know I should be, there's this feeling of all these shoulds. I should be correcting those papers right now. I should be um, reading this next novel so I know how I want to teach it. And um, when really I should be rejuvenating myself and spending my time with my family and my kids and not be made to, either by myself or other pressures, not be made to feel guilty about it. But correcting is is really a big thing for me. I'm always trying to figure out ways to do it effectively but not have it be so time consuming Mm -hmm. it it can really take hours sometimes you're taking a paper that takes you you're trying hard to just look at it for five minutes but when you have you know 70 of those which is not that's a lower amount to correct Mm -hmm. you've got two sections that that's a lot of time I want to go back to what you said about that teacher bag, because I remember that infamous teacher bag of yours. Um, So for listeners, Heidi and I have worked together. I used to be in her English department at Century. I was there for eight years, so we know each other pretty well. And I remember Heidi wheeling out this bag like a travel suitcase stacked full of essays. And I can't really give her any guff for that because I would similarly bring home my bag of papers with the best intentions of spending the weekend getting it caught up. But you're so tired that the bag just sits there in the entryway. You never even unzip it. And then you just carry it back to work. And in a lot of ways, I think that bag full of papers is the perfect metaphor for the guilt that we're constantly carrying around outside of school hours because our work is never done. There's always something you could be doing. And I think we need to literally and metaphorically learn to leave the bag at work and create those really healthy boundaries. And you talked about shoulds, and I think you're absolutely right when you say we need to stop saying, you know, I should grade or I should lesson plan, because you're right, what you should do is invest in yourself and spend time with your friends and your families doing your hobbies, because ultimately that's going to make you a happier person who's recharged and who on Monday is ready to go back to school because you actually had fun for a while 
you know? Yeah, I completely agree. I was just thinking about, you know, why is it hard to set the boundaries? You know, why why is it hard to, to say, I am just going to leave this at work and it's fine because my work day's over. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's some, some of it for me is that perfectionism that you were talking about mm-hmm. is having this ideal in your head. And I think sometimes maybe I'm not reflective enough to be doing what is actually impacting the kids more mm-hmm. and make sure I'm, not, I'm doing those practices versus others. Because I feel like I get better product when the kids are reviewing their papers and when I'm talking to them about it in the class than I do when I spend a lot of my evening writing comments. Yeah, exactly. You wanna give kids quick, meaningful feedback, but at the same time, what probably matters more is not whether you got their essay back to them in one week or three, but whether you're taking time in class to ask how they are and to notice them and to show that you care and to build those relationships. Because, you know, when a kid feels cared about and feels liked by their teacher, they're more invested in that class. And a lot of studies have shown that. Um, So things that make work-life balance hard, perfectionism, all the shoulds, all the guilt, all the grading. And as English teachers, we know what that's like when essays stack up. I think some other things that can make it hard are lesson planning, like you mentioned, feeling like you want to constantly reinvent your units to make them better. And then also extra roles that teachers take on because teachers are kind of required to do volunteer work, you know, because there's so much that needs to be done to run a school. Somebody needs to be the club advisor. Maybe somebody needs to help at the football game. Maybe somebody needs to help monitor behavior at lunch and then there's coaching and committees and fundraisers and schedule pickup and you know teachers do kind of need to help out in some way in those extra areas and I think that can make it hard to draw the line as well when we're always being asked to do more can you give up your prep can you give up your lunch can you come in other times um So let's kind of move to the next phase here. It's easy to identify why it's hard to have a work-life balance as an educator. The hard part is what can we do about it? And I was hearing about this phenomenon recently called quiet quitting. And it basically entails people only working in their contract hours and only doing their expected duties and nothing more. And that's not just in the teaching field, that's in other fields throughout the United States. I don't know if you've read about that, but people were saying, you know, that's a misnomer. It's not, it shouldn't be called quiet quitting. What it really is, is creating healthy work-life boundaries. So I think no matter what profession somebody's in, that's a battle, but especially so for teachers. So for you, what has worked to keep work at work? Well, I've been trying to, um, I actually struggle with this. So I'm, I'm really trying to honestly say what's helped. I don't use the bag anymore. So the bag has been parked. I mean, always having most of my assignments coming in digitally has helped because I don't physically take anything home with me. And 
and so if I get out my computer at home, then it's I I just don't do it. And I've been trying to set up times that I during my day that are just for me. So I I'm a big fan of anything English culture. So I decided to have a tea in the afternoons just for me. And my goal this year is to actually leave by 4.30 uh-huh. and stay there later than that. I'm not a morning person, so I wasn't always coming in early. I did a couple of times for my daughter who had a practice. I'd come in with her, but you know, I was sometimes rolling in a little late, but I would stay after. So I've been trying to have that boundary. And I, can, and I, I don't really like that idea of quiet quitting. I really do think it's establishing a healthy boundary. And so I've been trying to do that. And then the idea of the tea is that I do something that's relaxing to me. And, um, and I think that's really, I haven't been totally faithful to it, but it's helping. The first week of school, I had no boundaries up. And we had back to school night. And then I helped two other teachers, the brand new teachers set up their rooms. They went to the football, two football games. And so every night that week, I didn't get home until 9.30. And I was so exhausted by Saturday, and I was emotionally exhausted. My husband came in, he goes, nobody's sitting by you. And I was, because I said, I'm in a bad mood. (laughs) (laughs) And so then when I finally did have time with my family, nobody wanted to hang out with me because Mm -hmm. I was snappy and cranky and everybody was giving me a really wide berth. Mm-hmm. And so that's what happens when you say yes to everything. Yes. I I agree with you in the value of saying no. That's a lesson that took me a really long time to learn as a teacher. Because you feel guilty to say no. But you have to say no because if you don't, then it leads to burnout or being cranky or not having longevity in your career or not being the best teacher you can be for your students. But it's hard to do and something I think a lot of teachers could improve on. So let's go back to this idea of your afternoon tea. So is that something you do at home after work? Or do you do it like on your prep hour or something? No, it's something I do after work. And so the the idea behind and I'm really just learning how to do it. Um, the idea behind it was to do something that sounded fun to me. Mm-hmm. So yesterday I wasn't at home, but I went and I went shopping. Mm-hmm. And you know that wouldn't be rejuvenating for everybody, but mm-hmm. but it was fun for me. Mm-hmm. And some days I'll go um, buy like go buy a pop, a, like the soda bar and mm-hmm. tea. Mm-hmm. And then some days I come home and I read a book that I am enjoying that's totally for fun that doesn't have literary merit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Sometimes it does, but, <laughs> but that's not the deciding factor, right? Like, mm-hmm. It's just something I want to get into. Sometimes I've watched a show that I've, you know, I'm watching a series, but it's just me trying to make a conscious effort mm-hmm. to do something that makes me feel better. Hmm. I love that. So it's not actually tea. It's just like your moment of time to yourself for an hour, whatever it may be. Right. Originally, it was going to always involve food of some sort. But, um, <laughs> Love that. <laughs> I like food. I medicate myself with food. And I was trying to actually make it be healthy. But then I, I have this special talent of turning what I think is going to be a good idea into something stressful with all these rules about it. So 
then I was getting stressed out making myself a healthy snack. So (laughs) you're kind of defeating the purpose. Mm -hmm. So, you know, so sometimes foods involve, sometimes it isn't. It's a work in progress, but it it was sort of a way to set a boundary and, and try to say to myself, you're important too. Yeah. I love that. I also liked how you said making sure you leave school at a certain time. So for us at Century, our hours that we were supposed to be there were 8 a.m. to 4 p.m. And I remember once a new teacher was in, was next door to me, and he said at one of our meetings, oh, I've noticed how Carly's always here so early. I've never beat her, and like it's my goal to get here earlier than her one day. Because there were a lot of times where I would have to come in at 7 15 7 30 just to get stuff ready for the day but when I heard him say that I was like no that that's not something to like aspire to that's a bad habit what and and I really hope that teacher culture honors that that we're not celebrating those who are there from seven to six every day because that's not sustainable I think instead it needs to be a culture where we're looking up to those who are there from eight to four period and they just leave their work at work and they have that healthy boundaries set in place I totally agree with that and it and we do have to encourage that culture that working your hours and having a balance is better. Mm -hmm. And instead of almost like wearing our our martyrdom with pride, like Mm -hmm. I corrected for three, you know, 13 hours this weekend. Yeah. Like we should be embarrassed. Exactly. That we corrected for 13 hours this weekend. Yeah, I agree. Sort of backwards bragging about it. Yes. We complain about the culture, but I think in certain ways we perpetuate it, Mm -hmm. even if it's unintentional. Like, um, maybe I would be about, maybe I'm not as good a teacher, or maybe I'm not as dedicated because I'm not staying as late or coming in as early. And Mm -hmm. that's a bad mindset and trap to get into. Mm -hmm. Um, Okay, so I wanted to kind of think of some ideas, like concrete ideas for teachers to mitigate their grading load. So when I was teaching, some things that worked for me were having students do a portfolio of their work. So maybe they would do three essays and they would pick their best one. And that was the one that I would really grade closely with a lot of feedback. And the other two would be more of a quicker grade instead of doing all three so time consuming because it's just almost impossible at times. So that helped me. Um, Another thing was having students do peer editing and peer grading because they're getting feedback and there's also value in them seeing the work that other people are doing. They're learning where to stack themselves up and be like, oh, mine wasn't quite that good or you know, mine was a little stronger. So they're also learning their own strengths and weaknesses as they're helping others evaluate theirs. And then another thing that helped is I would have students sometimes on their essays, I'd have them write three questions for me. And then my feedback was just the answer to those three questions and that was it. 
So maybe their question was like, what did I do the very best on? And I would tell them. Or maybe their question was like, I've been struggling with grammar. What do you think is the one grammar thing I need to most improve on? And I'd answer that. And it also worked because some students need to be built up in their writing and some are ready for critiques and criticism. And that way they're telling you what they need. They're like, I need a compliment. I need to know what I do well, or I need, I'm ready for getting better. So tell me what I can work on. And that kind of cut down the feedback load for me. So what are some things that have worked for you? Well, first of all, I really, really love that idea of having them ask the question because it's also um, coming from them, generating them thinking about their own work. So I've, I've used the peer feedback. I have used um, just correcting for one specific thing that I'm only looking at, at one thing, at not trying to grade everything. You know, like today I'm looking at your thesis, that's all I'm going to be commenting on. And that helps a lot, I think. I um, have also conferenced with kids. This one I like. But it, it, it's time consuming as well. It's hard to sometimes plan the enough class activity that you could be pulling kids aside and giving them one on one. But I think that that has been the most effective means of feedback because they're, we're engaged in a conversation about it. There are some kids though that that's uncomfortable for. That, and the thing I think I like the best about that I've done with the conferencing was to have them schedule times outside of class time. Mm -hmm. The downside of that is that generally the kids who don't need the most help are the ones who come in to talk to me. Yeah. So I wondered about, so that's time consuming, but it's time consuming in a different way. And it's done while I'm right there on the school ground, so I'm not taking it home. Mm -hmm. And I can really see if they're understanding the feedback I'm giving them. Mm -hmm. But it's not a perfect process for me. I'm still trying to work out the kinks of that. Yeah, I think those are good ideas. And of course, grading varies depending on the content area and the grade level that you teach. We're talking about high school English, but if you teach math, if you teach science, um, it's different. And I'm sure every little niche has its own secrets and hints. So for teachers out there in a different grade level or content area, don't be afraid to ask for help. Reach out to teachers in your department, teachers that you admire, look up to, or you notice that they seem to have a strong work-life balance and just ask them. Because I think as a new teacher, I remember being afraid to ask for help sometimes because I didn't want to look like I was dumb or didn't know things, you know. But nobody's judgmental. Teachers love to help people. That's why we're teachers. So I would just encourage any new teacher to not be afraid and just to reach out and and ask someone for tips and advice. Because honestly, we're all working on it. We're all figuring it out. None of us are perfect teachers. And I think we all like to help each other and collaborate. And I think that making those connections and those collaborations can really increase your enjoyment of the job as well. Mm -hmm. It's so isolated with it. Yeah, and I think it's really important in your department to have a culture of collaboration instead of competition. 
And like I mentioned, I was in a department with Heidi and we had an amazing department where everybody helped each other. I remember when I was a first year teacher, one of the older veteran teachers just gave me full units full of stuff that I could use. So I had a baseline to start with and that was just so helpful to me. And I swore that I would always do the same for every other teacher, share resources and get them started because that meant so much to me. And I think that's another way to cut down on bringing lesson planning home. Like anytime I started teaching a new class I had never taught before, I would go to another teacher in my building who'd done it and be like, what do you have? Can I use it? And I never had a teacher tell me no. They were always happy to share and I was always happy to share with them too. Um, Because none of us should be starting from the ground up or starting at zero. And if you feel like your department's not helpful like that, you could always reach out to a teacher at another school, you know, just email them and I'm sure you could find someone willing to help. There's also websites like Teachers Pay Teachers where you can find lesson plans. You don't wanna do that too much because it could get expensive, but sometimes if you're in a pinch, you can go there and they have different lessons. So, um, what else? What other tips would you say? We've talked about how to, to mitigate grading. We've talked about lesson planning. Um, What else has helped you out? Anything you can think of? I think that maybe just trying to change a mindset that I think there's a mindset out there that if you're not willing to do a lot of the extracurricular things that you're not a team player or that you don't care about the kids or that you're not dedicated. And so I think changing the mindset to be um, that you're you need this time for yourself as well and not to carry that guilt with you that you really are being there for the kids and that you don't have to say yes to everything which we kind of talked about a little bit before so i think that that's been helpful i think having connections with people you know making friendships and um sometimes being able to talk to them about your frustrations Maybe before you get home, it helps you leave, leave those frustrations at work a little bit. Mm-hmm. So you're maybe talking with people who act, who understand the challenges of it. Mm-hmm. People have an idea of school as a student, and it really does look different from the other side of the desk. Mm-hmm. And so you remember your experiences in school and think that that's how it is, but, but there's a lot more. I think my sister, uh, we were talking about just how many decisions a teacher makes in one day. Mm-hmm. Who can go to the bathroom? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, <laughs> who can get a drink of water? What they're going to, how long you're going to do on that activity? Mm-hmm. There's, there's a lot in our in our scope. Mm-hmm. So having people to talk to, but you still have your back, I think, also helps you maybe leave it at work. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's important too, having a trusted confidant. Um, I always came and talked to Heidi if there was something bothering me or other teachers in my department or my mom is a retired teacher. So I would usually call her as I was driving home and talk about my day and she would get it and she would help me and have advice or just listen. And then by the time I got home, like I was done, you know, and I could just move on. 
So I think that's really important. And you can also look for um, communities online. Like there's lots of groups of teachers. I taught AP language and on Facebook, there's a whole AP language teachers group. And I'm sure there's tons of groups out there. So find, find what works for you, whether it's in person or online. And I liked what you said about not necessarily taking on the extra duties. I found what worked for me is to just limit what I was involved in. Try to pick things that came with a paid stipend or things that I really truly enjoyed doing and then say no to everything else. And I felt better saying no because I was doing one or two things. So I coached for a while cross country. I did a whole bunch of things and I was just kind of overdoing it. So at one point I had to step back and limit things. And then I was just um, like, I was the outdoor club advisor and that was fun for me and I enjoyed it. And I was willing to volunteer. But yeah, just pick one thing or two things, no more than that. Do things that are paid or that you enjoy. Or if you're having a hard year, you don't have to take anything on. That's extra. You don't have to, even though sometimes you feel like you do. Yeah. And I really like what you're saying about picking things you enjoy because then it'll be refilling to you. And it is fun to see the kids in a different environment outside of your class. So I do enjoy going to the games or those kinds of things to see what they're loving, but there has to be that boundary and balance and you you can't, you need to try not to feel bad about setting those up for yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think the reason why all this matters, and I'll be the first to say that it's easier said than done. There's no quick, easy way to do it. I think it takes, ironically, self-discipline to not bring your work home. (laughs) 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 But I think the, the reason for doing it is because life is short and you need to spend it being happy and not being stressed and being burned out. And because your mental well-being matters and it carries over to the students. And like we said before, you know, what matters isn't the absolute perfect lesson or the most timely grading that's gotten back to them so quickly or a completely up-to-date grade book. What really matters is, like we said, does that kid feel seen, valued, heard, respected in the classroom? And if you're doing that, the other stuff doesn't matter nearly as much. I think that's completely true. And that's where you get the joy out of teaching. Mm -hmm. Those connections with the kids, Mm -hmm. for me, is the really fun part. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think teachers just need to hold each other accountable. You know, like if you see your friend hauling out that teacher bag on the weekend, tell them, no, no, go put that back. (laughs) It'll be there waiting for you Monday. Don't worry. Um, You know, friends shouldn't let friends become workaholics, that kind of a thing. Um, Well, I think we've covered this topic pretty well. I mean, we could go on and on, but I think we've kind of got the big things. Is there anything that you want to add or feel like we missed? No, I think that um, it was a good discussion, a good reminder for me about holding those boundaries and keeping them. And I really liked your what you said about the students because that is really the, that relationship is what they take with them later on. Exactly. I did this um, article like a week or two ago where I 
asked award-winning teachers about their advice for first-year teachers, and one of them said something to the effect of, your students aren't going to remember whether your lesson was perfect. They're going to remember how you made them feel in the class, something like that. So I thought that was a good piece of advice. Well, Heidi, thanks for coming on and being the inaugural guest to the Teacher's Lounge podcast. It was great to have you, and thanks for sharing your wisdom with us. Thank you for having me. It was fun. Thanks for listening to the first episode of the Teacher's Lounge podcast. Don't forget to check out our website, idahoednews.org. And if you have any ideas for topics that you want to hear covered in a future podcast episode, let me know. You can email me at carly at idahoednews.org, and that's spelled C-A-R-L-Y. Thanks for listening, and have a great week.